Um, We're going to start a new teaching series today on our Sunday mornings. We're going back to the book called Acts. Acts. Uh, Acts is a book, as you'll find it after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Acts is a book about the acts or the actions of Jesus as he builds his church through his messengers by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus building his church in the early days after he rose from the dead and went back to heaven as king. Our sermons are going to take us through the last part of the book, chapters 21 to 28. So you might want to look up Acts chapter 21 if you've got that, if you've got a Bible handy. Uh, That's what we're doing. And because we need all our rooms at the moment uh, here in Brannock's time to spread out and to keep our distance, uh, we're not having Sunday school for the time being. So all the younger uh, girls and boys here and those at home uh, as well should have received a book from our lovely Sunday school team that looks a bit like this. At least my copy looks like this. It's called Discover. Discover Bible Notes for Young Children. Uh, This book is going to help you to listen to the teaching uh, in church each week. And it's got questions and activities uh, on the same passage that we're talking about every week in church. And the older ones have got a copy of some notes for older kids uh, called Engage. I don't know if that title is on them, uh, but that's where it comes from. Thanks to the Good Book Company for both of those. So hopefully you've received those. And uh, if so, hopefully you've been able to bring them. Uh, And if you turn to Discover... On page 32, there's a little number 32 up in the, uh, in the gray part up in here. Uh, study number 32, uh, and the title is Acts, Spread It. That's the page for today. And if you're using the engaged notes, um, then it's uh, page 46. Uh, we're going to start uh, reading uh, Acts chapter 21, verses 1 to 16. Uh, while you find that, let me tell you a few more things just to help us figure out what we're about to read, because we're dropping into the middle of a story. We don't often drop into the middle of a book, do we? Imagine you opened, uh, I don't know, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. What is that, the third one? And you were like, who's this Harry chap? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? We don't often do that, do we? We don't drop into the middle of a story, but we're doing that today. Acts is a book written by Luke. It's Luke's second book in the Bible. I think you can guess which is his first. Uh, It's it's Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, Luke is a book about Jesus and what he did. And Acts is a book about Jesus and what he continued to do after he went back to heaven, building his church. And in the middle part of Acts, we're following the Apostle Paul. Uh, He started off as a Jewish leader who put Christians in prison and tried to stop people from living for Jesus. But then he met Jesus and started to live for Jesus himself. In fact, he traveled far and wide to tell people to follow Jesus, and he gathered people together in each city to make a new church. Uh, Jesus turned Paul's life upside down. And now in chapter 21, Paul is headed back to Jerusalem, back to where it all began. The church there is big, but it's having a hard time. Uh, There's a shortage of food. And uh, Paul has been collecting gifts of money from all the other churches that he's been starting and visiting to help out the Christians in Jerusalem and to show that God's uh, churches and God's people are all one big family who care about each other, even when they're different people from different places. So Paul's traveling with friends, including Luke. Luke is with Paul at the moment, who's writing this part of his book like a diary. And we join the story at chapter 21, verse 1. Paul and Luke and the others have just said goodbye to some dear friends. So let's read Acts 21. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. 
The next day, we went to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia and went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we uh, greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. Uh, He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. And we're finishing our reading there. And it will help you to keep that open. I know you've got a few different books to juggle, but it will help you to keep that handy. Now, let's talk about common sense. Common sense. Common sense is clear thinking and sound judgment about everyday matters. It's the sort of thinking that leads people to make the same choices in the same circumstances. It's common sense. So, for example, if you, um, if you need to cut a branch off a tree... Common sense tells you to lean your ladder against the tree trunk, not against the branch that you're about to cut off, because it'll fall and then your ladder will, your ladder will fall, and you'll fall. Uh, if you need to choose a PIN code for a bank card or for your phone or tablet, uh, common sense says not to choose the PIN 1234, because it's very, very easy to guess. It's about the first one anyone would try. If you need lunch, but you're allergic to nuts, common sense tells you not to eat a nutty cereal bar. Uh, There was a young driver in Canada uh, who was caught and recently punished for driving his car at 150 kilometers per hour. Now, that's, I mean, that's a little fast, but it's not, the problem wasn't the speed. The problem was uh, his car was a Tesla, a car which can kind of help you to drive. It's a smart kind of car. And this guy and his passenger had both tilted their seats all the way back and gone to sleep while the car drove for them at 150 kilometers per hour. So about 90 miles per hour for those who think in miles. Uh, So uh, maybe not the most sensible thing to do, uh, to go to sleep while your car drives itself. 
Uh, and as, uh, as we often notice, uh, well, how should we put this? Common sense is a flower that doesn't grow in every garden. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, it's not universal sense, is it? In Acts 21, common sense was telling a lot of Christians in different places that Paul should stay away from Jerusalem. It's not safe. Don't go there. But Paul's mind is made up to go. Is he not being sensible? Is he being silly? Is he being reckless or dangerous? Well, we're going to find out. Here's our big idea for today. Being sensible is good, but it must not stop us taking risks for Jesus. Being sensible is good, but it must not stop us taking risks for Jesus. First of all, let's have a little look at where Paul and his friends are and where they're going. So here's a map, and I don't know how well you'll be able to see it even in here, uh, especially in the halls and at home, uh, but we'll we do our best. Um, so Paul started out all the way on the right-hand side uh, at Antioch. Uh, he traveled a huge journey by boat and by land, telling people about Jesus all across Turkey and Greece, uh, all the way down to the end of his journey, which is in uh, Corinth, down near Athens in Greece. That's all the way on the left-hand side. Uh, now he's on the way back. He's headed for Jerusalem. And in chapter 21, he starts off at Miletus in the middle of the map, just about here, uh, just in, uh, off Turkey there, or in, in modern-day Turkey. Uh, he's got that far back already when we join the story. And he and Luke and the others get on a boat. Who's been on a boat? Some of you guys have been camping at the campsite and been on the little tiny chug-chug kind of boats. But who's been on a huge ferry? Yeah. Who's been on a rowing boat where you felt a little bit wobbly? Yeah, some of us have been on that as well. Some of us feel wobbly enough on the big ferries. But anyway, um, I guess the boat Paul sailed in was something in between. Not a tiny rowing boat, but not a huge ferry either. And they hopped from island to island, then went in uh, to the mainland uh, here at Patara, and then sailed across past Cyprus, that's that big island just here, and into um, to, to Tyre and Syria. So, where are we? Um, and even if, look, if you ha even if you had a fantastic staycation this year, uh, camping in Ireland or staying with family, even if you had a fantastic summer, I guess the idea of island hopping near Greece and Turkey sounds pretty good, doesn't it? In fact, I had an email yesterday about doing that very thing. It actually mentioned, do you want to go to Kos and Rhodes, which I think are two of the names mentioned here? Uh, yes, I, I, would, I quite would like to do that. Maybe not this year, but maybe sometime, God willing. Um, anyway, that's the part of the world we're thinking about today, and it looks pretty, pretty nice, doesn't it? So, uh, younger ones with Discover books, use the Bible and the map in your book to write down the places that Jesus went to. There's a little list for you. There's a little map on your page a little list. Uh, some of the spellings are slightly different. Go with the spellings on the map because you've got the first letters written down for you. So just go with the spellings on the map and use the Bible to get the right order. Um, so work on that for a minute. Um, while they're doing that, grown-ups, and, and if there's anyone using Engage Notes and not Discover, um, flick back, if you can, to Acts 20, verse 17. Acts 20, verse 17. Maybe you need an extra Bible open and another three pairs of hands. Uh, but do what you can. Uh, we're going to get an idea of how Paul is feeling about his trip to Jerusalem and what he thinks is going to happen. So Acts 20, verse 17. Uh, so from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you 
from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. When we read Acts, we find that in most cities Paul visited, some Jewish people would follow Jesus, but some would get very, very angry and try to stop Paul from talking about him. The Jews were waiting for God's special promised king to come, and that king is Jesus, but Jesus is not the sort of king that a lot of those Jews were expecting. Uh, And so a lot of them didn't believe that Jesus was the promised king at all. And so talking about Jesus would get them very angry, and they often tried to get uh, get Paul into trouble or into jail. Sometimes they even attacked him and his friends. But even so, here's what Paul says he did, verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace." So God the Holy Spirit warns Paul that he's going to face trouble, but God the Holy Spirit also stirs Paul up so that he's desperate to do his job and share the good news of Jesus with anyone he can. Verse 24, Paul is desperate to do his job from God, his job of telling of God's kindness and goodness in sending Jesus to die for our sins and bring us back to him. Now, discoverers, uh, below your map, um, the notes say what we've just been talking about. So, Uh, Just below the little map, it says, some Jewish people hated Paul telling Jews about Jesus. They wanted to kill Paul. Uh, Jerusalem was the main city for Jewish people. Uh, So do we see the problem? Do we see the danger? Lots of Jewish people don't believe Jesus is their king. Lots of them get very angry at Paul for saying that he is. Uh, And Jerusalem is full of Jewish people. What do we do when we spot danger? If you spot an angry dog in the park, what do you do? Get up somewhere high, yeah, climb a tree, or run away. Uh, Or if you're scared of, of the dark and you see a dark room or a dark cave, do you go in or do you just walk off and just think, "Mm, I don't need to go there? You walk away, don't you? Or uh, if you're scared of butterflies, you don't go into the butterfly house. And I share that one, uh, not to be mean to uh, one person in particular, but Uh, Just because I came across the word for butterfly house, and I'm desperate to share it with somebody, it's lepidopterarium. Lepidopterarium might be the most satisfying uh, thing that I learned this week. Um, Or if you see fast cars going down the road, you you take a little step back, don't you? Uh, Stay back from the edge of the road. It's, It's common sense. Paul knows that Jerusalem is full of people who are dangerous for him. So surely he should run away or stay back or go somewhere else. Just steer clear. And discoverers, look at verse 4 to see what Paul's friends say to him and and write it down in the little speech bubble at the bottom. Look at verse 4. We're about to read it anyway. Um, uh, And if you're using the engage notes, you want to be uh, looking at um, listing the verses in which Paul is advised not to go to Jerusalem. It happens first in Tyre. Here's verse 4 in Tyre. 
uh, finding the disciples, that's the Christians or a little church group there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. And then verse 10, Caesarea, uh, this guy Agabus comes along. He takes Paul's belt and ties up his own hands and feet with it. Um, and he says, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind, will tie up the owner of this belt, that's Paul, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So the Christians in Tyre warn Paul not to go to Jerusalem, but Paul goes on. Then this chap Agabus springs a, a warning too with a picture. He ties up his own hands and feet and warns Paul that's what's going to happen to him. In fact, he's going to be locked up by the Gentiles. That's the Romans. What would you have said to Paul if you'd heard that? What would you uh, say to Paul if you'd just watch Agabus tying himself up, hands and feet, and predicting that that's what would happen to Paul in Jerusalem? What would you say to Paul? Don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. Stay away. And that's what Paul's friends said. Even Luke uh, says it. In verse 12, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Look how concerned they are. In verse 4, they urged Paul. In verse 12, they pleaded with him, please, please don't go there. It's common sense, isn't it? Don't go into trouble. And it's God who has shown them that there will be trouble. Verse 4, through the Spirit they warned Paul. And verse 12, the Holy Spirit says you'll be tied up and handed over. It's the Spirit that's told them this. But remember, it's the Holy Spirit guiding Paul to make the journey to Jerusalem. Remember chapter 20, verse 22, uh, Paul says, Now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So what do we learn from this? The Spirit seems to be doing a couple of things here, doesn't he? He's, he's telling people what's going to happen to Paul, but he's also uh, guiding and pushing Paul towards the danger. What are we going to learn from this? Well, I think a few things. One is that we, we shouldn't ignore what God reveals to other Christians. We shouldn't ignore that uh, because they're not wrong about what's going to happen to Paul. We're going to find out. Uh, it doesn't go all that nicely for Paul. But we want to test and weigh up what they think God is saying. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and hold on to the good. So that's one thing we're, we're learning, is to, is to listen to God, but carefully. And what else do we learn? Well, just because God reveals that something will be difficult, or that it won't seem to work, or that it will mean trouble, that doesn't mean we should give up or run away in the other direction. It's not that God only works with successes. After all, when Jesus died on the cross, it looked like a big, big failure, didn't it? But it was God's plan to win against sin and death. Um, and there's an echo of Jesus and his journey to Jerusalem in all this. Agabus said Paul would be handed over to the Gentiles. That's exactly, almost word for word, what Jesus said would happen to him, that the Jewish leaders would hand him over to the Gentiles. Um, Jesus went to Jerusalem to bring human beings back together with God, even though that meant he would die on the cross. Well, Paul is going to Jerusalem to bring uh, the non-Jewish churches together with the the mostly Jewish church in Jerusalem, to bring them together, even though that will mean trouble and maybe even death for him. 
just like it did for Jesus. He's kind of following in Jesus' footsteps. He's following in Jesus' suffering, and he's following in Jesus' trust that God will build his kingdom through it all. And so verse 13, Paul answers, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, that means tied up, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And discoverers, you'll see, uh, you'll need verse 13 there to fill in the missing words that Paul said on the right-hand side. I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul has amazing courage and love for Jesus, being ready to face anything, even death, to serve and follow him. And so verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, when we, when we couldn't change his mind, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Luke and Paul's other friends knew. They knew from the Holy Spirit that Paul faced trouble. And they felt he shouldn't go. But Paul knows from the Holy Spirit that he should follow Jesus' path, even though it means trouble. Uh, and that means he should go. And so they agree, the Lord's will be done. May God's plans work out the way God wants. We'll be thinking about that the next time we... Open the Lord's Prayer, because it's a line in there, isn't it? May God's plans happen. The Lord's will be done. God is in charge, and we can trust him, even if there is trouble. So what was our big idea for today? There it is. Uh, being sensible is good, but it must not stop us taking risks for Jesus. Uh, well, let's think about what this story should um, make us think about and, and change in us. What's God teaching us just as we finish up for today? Um, let's ask a few questions. What should our attitude be when we feel God is calling us to serve him in risky ways? What should our attitude be when we feel God is calling us to serve him in risky ways? Well, we, we might tell a friend or might want to tell a friend about Jesus, but we're not sure how they'll react and if we'll still be friends after that. Or we might refuse to do something bold at school, but we're not sure if that will put us all on our own in the class. Or we might refuse to do something dishonest at work, just fiddling a few numbers, because that's what always happens, or timesheets, that's what everyone does. But we don't know what will happen to our jobs if we refuse to do that. We might feel God calling us to serve him by getting more stuck into church life in some way or other, but we're not confident about it. We don't feel like you know, we're maybe that able to do anything, and we're not sure what it will mean for other things we like to do with our time. Uh, what will happen? We don't know. Or we might feel God calling us to a course of Christian study, even though it's expensive and we don't know how that will work, or even to leave home and serve him in somewhere else, maybe even in another country. What should our attitude be when we feel God calling us to serve him in risky ways? Well, we need to remember he's done everything for us. He's given his own son for us. We can trust him. And even if we don't know what will happen, maybe we should still try because God does his will. We are weak, but he is powerful. And he has purposes sometimes that we wouldn't expect. Or here's another question. What should our response be when a Christian friend or family member decides to take a risk for Jesus? Imagine a friend or family member decides to, I don't know, go part-time in their job to spend a day a week working and doing church work, maybe even without being paid. Are they being silly? It's maybe not the most sensible, is it? 
Should we talk them out of it? Um, or imagine a friend or family member or, or whole family decide to go and, and work for Jesus in another country with another language. Uh, what if it doesn't work out? What if they have to come home? Is that a failure? I don't think so. <laughs> because even being obedient to try is an important step for them. And we might learn all sorts of lessons together through something like that. Uh, whatever happens, God does his will. God works for good. Even when things don't seem to work out the way we would want. It's not going to work out for Paul the way his friends would want. Uh, but they were wrong to try and talk him out of it. We talked at the start about common sense. Staying awake when you're driving at 150 kilometers per hour is common sense. And we should all stay awake when we drive, no matter how clever our cars may be or may become in future years. Uh, we're, not, um, we're not cutting down the flower of common sense today. <laughs> but is there some area of life, as we finish, uh, where being sensible is stopping us from living fully for Jesus? How does this episode challenge us and challenge me uh, to change? Being sensible uh, is good, but it must not stop us taking risks for Jesus. Let's pray, and then uh, we're almost done. Let's pray. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Father, thank you for common sense. Thank you for how it helps in so many ways all the time, even when we don't notice it. Uh, but we need your help, Father, like Paul, the help of your spirit, to see things the way you see them. We get so worried about things not working, even though you always work in and through our weakness. You don't need strong and successful Christians to do your, your work. It's your power and your strength that build your church you teach and train us through weakness and hardship uh, as we learn to rely on you. We get so worried about money and stability and security and uh, the kids' education and following the right track to do well with our lives. But you showed us the path that Jesus took for us, always giving, always loving, even when it cost him everything. Father, help us to be sensible people. Help us to listen to you, to weigh up and test uh, each other's points of view. And help us to trust you and obey you, even if obeying looks like it might be difficult or might bring us trouble. Help us to be sensible, to be ready to take risks, uh, or but, but to be ready to take risks if it means living for Jesus because he gave everything for us. And we ask in his name. Amen.